Hi, everyone. We're joined this week with another interview, and this time we have the privilege of hearing from Chris Iweha. Chris Iweha is the Assistant Director at Morgan State University's Library. Uh, that is a historically Black college and university, or HBCU. And what's especially interesting and wonderful about Chris Iweha is that he is an alumni of the UMD iSchool. So it's a treat to hear from him today, and I'm really happy that he could join us. So why don't we just go ahead and jump into the questions? The first question is one that I ask of all of the interviewees. How did you become a librarian, Chris, and what inspired you to pursue this field? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. Um, it was never planned. Um, my short answer for that would be divine providence. In that I had my focus on, you know, some of the uh, disciplines. I was just coming out of, out of uh, a three-year college uh, where I studied special education, okay. and so I went over to the University uh, of Ibadan and was applied for special education. Uh, but then I was uh, the head of the department of special education told me, you know what? Each time I want to treat your document, I felt you were in the wrong place. And I had to ask her out of surprise, okay, where is the right place for me? And so she, that was for the first time how I heard about the Department of Library Information Archival and Information Science. I see. And, and, and that was how I was referred there, and um, the rest is history. <laughs> okay. So yeah. you pursued um, a three-year Special degree. Education. Okay. Yeah. Is that uh, an A-level, O-level? Can you explain some of the differences with university systems um, in Nigeria? Yeah, sure. Uh, the, 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 you know, the different layers of, um, what do you call it, layers of education in Nigeria, you know, right after um, high school. After high school, sometimes people go to, um, what, what do you call it, uh, to do diploma. I see. Um, they either can go to the polytechnic, where they offer um, uh, ordinary level diploma or higher level diploma, or they go to college of education. You know where they can get you know um, and uh, a below it'll be a certificate that is uh, is way above um, high school, but not equated with you know um, a university degree. You know, so but usually the practice is after you spend three, two or three years there, you can go into um, the university as a direct entry. You go, you join from two hundred level instead of starting at a uh, hundred level like freshman. You know, you jump, you skip the uh, the freshman um, level. So and and then you have the thereafter you have the uh, graduate level of education. Sorry, the first degree undergrad level. And then you have a graduate level, then the PhD. Okay, okay, yeah. I see. Um, and what part of Nigeria did you study in? Was it Lagos, or what are the two universities that you attended? Yes, I studied in the southwestern part of the country, uh, Ibadan to be precise. Okay, okay. Awesome. Ibadan, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the requirements for librarianship in Nigeria? For example, yeah. um, does it require a bachelor's or a master's? Tell us more. Yes, absolutely. Um, like I said, um, you have different levels. Like you have the diploma, the undergrad, the graduate, and then 
of course, which include the PhD, um, depending on where you are coming in from and what requirements you are you are having. Actually, the library science in Nigeria started from a diploma, you know, level, and then later the undergraduate was the graduate level was introduced, and then later they introduced the undergraduate, and uh, of course, and it runs up to the PhD level. So, uh, for for one to enter into the university at all, regardless of whether you want to do diploma, undergrad, or graduate you must have finished from um, the high school and also has a um, passed uh, the West African Examination Council examination. Uh, it, uh, include something similar to SAP, you know, uh, SAT rather. Okay. You know, so, so you must have passed those um, exams to be able to um, uh, get gain admission into any of these levels of education. Okay. So, um, does the Nigerian Library Association accredit the programs in in it, the library science programs? Yes, it took them. It took them. Um, I think it, it, it took them a while. It was about um, no. There is no accreditation. I take that back. Sorry, but they have a certification. Like after you would have gone through the university at whatever level levels to go through, then you have to apply for an uh, an accreditation. A certification to be licensed to practice. You know, they have uh, a board that yeah that does that. Yeah. Okay. You know how how you go to nursing school here and then you take the RN exam and then get licensed. Uh, yeah. Okay, I see. So you yes. can enter the profession with any degree. Yes. But you require you're required to have a certification, um, just like yes. any of the applied professions. Exactly. Okay. So, so you have to apply to the to that board to be able to. Uh, they they call them um, chartered librarians of Nigeria. Okay. So CLN, yeah. So when you see anybody from Nigeria with the title CLN, that's what it stands for. It's chartered librarians of Nigeria. Of, of Nigeria yes. Okay. Wonderful. So are there any additional benchmarks to become specifically an academic librarian? For example. Um, must you maintain a research agenda, or is there faculty status? What are the protocols? And really, I know this is a very broad question, and it's going to vary by institution. Yeah. But uh, are academic librarians expected to also be researchers and faculty? Yes, absolutely. Because we have a lot of um, you know library schools, and then you have a lot of um, uh, academic like li- libraries where. The librarians have a faculty status. Like where I left off, I worked at the Obafemi Awolowo University Library, Eskai Uluwasame Library, Obafemi Awolowo University. And, you know, that was a, a faculty status that I had then. Yeah. Um, actually, in the structure, uh, when they call it, it's such that apart from the librarianship, which is your major, you have a minor. You have it like, which serves like your subject area, you know, okay. where you, you have to minor in and you do both together. And you have to uh, do, you know, um, uh, in uh, what you call IT industrial. What do you call it now? I'm trying to remember exactly what it is called. Um, you have to do um, internship. Mm-hmm. You have to do internship in your mm-hmm. area. Uh, if, if you are teaching inclined, you go to do teaching practice. You know, and all that. And so, when by the time you are done, you have a subject area, and then you have a professional area. Subject area in the larger body of knowledge. Uh, in my case, mine was political science, which I combined with political science. But then, when you come to the library school, also you also can specialize in any few aspect of librarianship. 
that you are interested in. Okay. And so yes, and so yes, uh, when when you get a job, whether you become a faculty, an academic librarian or not, depends on where the student after we finish got employment with an academic institution. You know, we in my in my case, my position was an academic status, and uh, you know that includes that you have to teach, you know, and at the same time do your work as a librarian. Okay. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. And you mentioned so many library schools in Nigeria. Am I right yes. that there are twenty? The at at the last time that I checked, I believe there were twenty, unless there's been new ones open. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure by now. As at the time I was there, you know, yeah, about it was about twenty. Yeah. Oh, but you know, new mm -hmm. institutions like in Nigeria now we have we we have over over one hundred and fifty, you know, universities. The newer ones right. are springing up, and so yeah. depending on the courses that they are. Um, um, but I can verify that for that fact from the National Association. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know Nigeria is known for its higher education system. Um, it's very yeah. rigorous, and over forty percent of Nigerians who uh, emigrate to the U.S. have uh, higher education degrees. So, um, it's certainly known as a well-educated society and country. Um, and Chris, with that said, I'm familiar with your professional journey, um, but for our students, can you describe your transition, uh, particularly having to return to library school here in the U.S.? Tell us more. Yeah, yeah, that, that was really, that was really um, um, a big issue for me because I came to the, I relocated to the U.S. Uh, with, a, with all the hopes and, you know, aspiration to, uh, hit the ground and start running <laughs> yeah. my profession. Yes. Uh, but but uh, only to be to realize that you know um, it was not going to work out exactly the way I thought it was, and um, uh, that was simply because of the uh, the fact that most of the jobs that I was looking onto, I was looking for then you know in academic environment will always come up with a clause of. Um, you must have finished from an, an early accredited institution. Mm -hmm. And early only accredited here in the United States and Canada. Um, and, and, and that kind of was a big setback for me. I made every effort to contact um, the then president, you know, of the ALA. And uh, I was referred to the international coordinator who uh, told me there was nothing in their charter that says, Anyone with verifiable uh, credentials, foreign credentials, cannot be, you know cannot be um, employed in an academic institution. Mm -hmm. uh, so long as they can verify that document, that they have no problems with that. Um, but then he was quick to add that, but Chris, there are certain conservatives, you know, within the ALA system that will institutions that will not allow, you know, um, that will not um, allow for such to happen and unfortunately and it does not have um, any control over these uh, uh, institutions uh, and so that became an issue um, I was a little bit upset Right. So, so I decided, let me just go and do. I was working in the health sector then. 
after that, it was even though I was doing what I realized, but I was still not happy, not fulfilled. In the, in the sense that my, where my passion is, I would say that I was not just there, you know. So, reluctantly, reluctantly, yeah. <laughs> I had to go back to, to the library school. Uh, and I have no regrets that I did. Uh, and also, knew, I know a lot of people, you know, like that who refused to go back. And they are wonderful librarians from wherever they came from, but they are not practicing. That's very interesting. And if we had sort of like a certification alternative, like the one that Nigeria naturally has, then people can recertify here in the U.S. just like doctors would have to just pass the board here. Um, Nurses would just have to pass the NCLEX and, and get, you know, certified by the board. And so... I think that's something that is um worth uh investigating, and even at the international level, maybe IFLA can be in charge of coordinating transferable um degrees or recredentialing basically individuals who are um professionals in in different countries and would like to go to not just the u s but any other country so Actually, if you don't mind, still on this topic, um, mm-hmm. on this question, I actually know of a friend, a very close friend of mine. Um, he was also like he, he's also he was also a librarian from Nigeria, uh, but got um, a grant, a federal government um, scholarship to go to McGill University mm-hmm. to do his PhD. So he went to McGill uh, to do his PhD. He was even lecturing there until he got his PhD, but. You know, thereafter, I couldn't get any job because the entry qualification was, you know, the master's level, which he did not get from Canada. Wow. You know, so today he's no longer practicing as a librarian. He went back doing something with construction. Wow. Frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you the, know what? That's, um, it speaks it, to uh, the struggles of highly skilled mm-hmm. uh, immigrants. Sometimes yeah. um, they revert to what they call survival careers uh, as a result of not being able to recredential or the U.S. really has structural limitations and systemic limitations when it comes to recognizing foreign degrees, even though we have that service that evaluates degrees. Um, it's, it's, there's so much, uh, I guess, misunderstanding about the quality of education abroad and how it really is equivalent to our degrees here. So that's a that's an interesting story. So he's working in the construction sector now. Yep. yep. Wow. And he's a very he's an awesome guy. He, he you know I know him he's published widely in librarianship, taught in librarianship. You know, he, even while he was there at Michael, he took up some class, he taught some classes, you know, in that school. But when it was time to look for a job, <laughs> he got frustrated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, yeah. you know, this really uh, is a good segue into our next question. Library practices in the U.S. and Canada, as well as Nigeria, are certainly different and culturally bound. But what are some strengths that might be transferred between settings? Um, for example, what might LIS education in North America borrow from Nigeria and vice versa? Yeah, I, I, I would like to start, you know, with uh, what Nigeria uh, from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the, 
there is a whole lot of um, gaps, you know, um, in terms of funding, in terms of infrastructure, uh, um, and, and, you know, and this, in, you know, kind of impacts the ability of the, the efficiency of services, you know, out there. Uh, in the sense that, like, for instance, out there in Nigeria, most of the books, you know, or, or softwares or databases are, uh, you know, produced, you know, uh, here in the, in the uh, produced in the Western world. And so they need a lot of money to buy these things uh, or shipping the books, you know, mm. depending on what the forest, yeah, the foreign exchange rate is, you know, the lower the foreign exchange, the better for them, the higher the foreign exchange, the more expensive it is for, for them to um, get some of these materials. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think it's, it's about time that um, the, uh, not just Nigeria, but the third world nations begin to look more into local content development, you know, local content development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there seems to be a lot of professionals, um, and, 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 um, and sadly enough, they, even within the level of the academia, uh, I remember back then we have the saying, publish or perish. Uh, you know, if you don't publish, you don't get promoted, and certain percentage sure. of your publication has to be foreign or international publications. You know, and then you have uh, the lowest uh, uh, percentage, you know, for local publications. So you find that there is a lot of intellectual theft, you know. Uh, but do I want to say theft? No, the, the intellectual exodus. Because people publish right. in foreign journals, yeah. and at the end of the day, they cannot gain access, or their students cannot gain access to those publications. So you have a lot of wonderful publications, uh, academic productivity, output coming from the academia, but they are not residing, you know, in any local database that the students or other researchers can gain access to. So that, that, that adds to the, yeah, because they, at the end of the day, they are nested in EBSCO, um, mention it, and then they don't have the money to subscribe or to buy, you know, to subscribe to any of these, you know, uh, major databases because they are way too expensive, you know, for them to handle. So, so, so that that's I think it's about time they begin began to look um, inward to see what they Absolutely. can correct, you know, how to. Uh, I absolutely recommend you know institutional repositories, you know, uh, as a major um, step that they can adopt there to get things improved. Uh, left, you know, there was a huge move on them. Uh, IT infrastructure development, and of course, sometimes politics comes into this, and it slows down the wheel of progress. But I believe um, gradually things are getting a little bit better about, about that. And and I also feel the uh, uh, the Nigerian Library Association, and I've written a lot to them about that. Need to forge a more um, collaborative partnership with uh, you know um, foreign. Um, Professional organizations like ELA, you know, um, to make sure that they they kind of have, even if if it has to do with them having an oversight, you know, or kind of comparing curriculum to make sure that the standards are even and you know and equal, so that when people migrate from anywhere, they they have they can easily, um, you know, uh, function or get jobs wherever they go to. So that I can see that I can see that such collaboration will really um, help them to 
uh, move the profession forward in Nigeria. And on the other side, here in the U.S., one thing that I can talk about, you know, I've seen there seems to be, for instance, let me explain. In Nigeria, when you're hired, um, you are usually under one-year probation. And in that one-year probation, you have to walk around all the departments in the library. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Before you before you now settle to your to the area, whatever area you want to focus on. And you'll be told from day one that depending on the need, if they have a need to move you from one department to the other as you progress in your career, yes, you will be transferred, say from reference to um what do you call it now? From reference to circulation or to interlibrary loan. So they expect you to have a good knowledge of all working knowledge of all the um of the, all the various departments in the library uh, that you have to see that you're a librarian or you're not. So you should be able to function anywhere. And where as soon as they are recognizing your abilities, your skill set, they tend to promote you based on that. You know, so that's one thing because here yeah, I see um, I see librarians that are you know the structure is a little bit more specialized. You could see a reference librarian that doesn't know even the operating system, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the library management system, you know, that the library is using at the circulation department, mm-hmm. or don't even know what goes on with Iliad or, you know, interlibrary loan, you know, right. because people are kind of focused on one right. line of specialization. more of a specialist rather than a generalist yes. approach. Yes. Um, I, 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 and, and so people are not cross-trained, not, not, not unless you work at a very small branch, um, but the expectation at, at, at a, at a library, even of a larger scale, typically we are not cross-trained. And so that's a very good point based on my personal, and of course this is anecdotal evidence, but that's not the trend here in the U.S., particularly not in academic libraries. It's very interesting. Um, and so you you talked a little bit about the high cost of serials and, and databases and, and academic texts, uh, scholarly in Nigeria, especially when it comes to academic libraries. What are some concerns or priorities um, in that context? Um, I, the other thing um, is, you know, people... When it comes to professional development, um, just like it's all over the world, uh, the people look onto the uh, Western world, you know, for direction, you know, uh, and, and at that instance, you find out that uh, sometimes it's difficult for people to um, attend international conferences. Yeah. Only, only very few, you know, will do that, will win scholarship and go. Most institutions are, because of the poor funding, you know, like usually when there is a cut, you know, when there's a budget, a budget cut, mm-hmm. they are quick to cut the budget of the library faster than any other place, you know. And I've also come to see that to be true in some institutions here in the U.S. You know, it limits the ability, the financial might of the of the library to send or the academic institution to send, you know, um, librarians to, you know, international um development programs that will help impact the services that they provide so that they, they need that exposure and, and, and this is also where the collaboration i talked about can can really help in the sense that when people can go abroad at least some people can come from abroad and provide that training in a way that is that can be 
uh, cost effective, you know. So, so that that's that's one of that area that I think um, the institutions back in Africa can really, you know, benefit. And 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 sometimes if in terms of safety, uh, campus safety, all the campuses that I know of, you know, um, you know, had adequate security provision. Libraries in some institutions are open 24 hours. You know, some stay up to midnight and close, depending on um, the situation in in, the, in, in these institutions. Um, so, uh, then in terms of social justice, uh, this is a this is a difficult one. It depends on the uh, prevailing culture of the of the society. Um, but the library that I've worked on, you know, uh, I've worked with uh, back in Nigeria before we get into the US. I know um, it's open to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, but I had mentioned cultural differences in the sense that there are some cultural limitations that, you know, um, depending on the way one interprets the culture, the prevailing culture interprets um, certain issues that there are still things to be improved upon that culturally, they, if I want to say no, no. For instance, I'm going to give you an example. Um, it's not unlikely that in the southern part of the country, Mm-hmm. You can see a man and a woman, you know, walking into the library holding hands, all right? But if you go to the northern part of the country where I see this predominantly, you know, an Islamic setting, mm-hmm. uh, with Sharia law, you know, if they see you that way, that would mean it, you, you know, they, both of you could be either killed or beaten up. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, so so that was why I said it depends on the culture. You I know, see. Um, very interesting um and is there that sort of hierarchy in terms of libraries um where public libraries are less formal than academic libraries and then you know school libraries have a totally different sort of uh purpose and feel and environment um or you know i asked this question because you're speaking of some of the cultural differences in the Caribbean, for example, in some of the public libraries, they have a dress code and you must be very formal or at least uh, not what is considered inappropriate in that culture before you enter the library. So there's this embedded uh, sort of authority with example made me think of some of the uh differences when people transfer to maybe a western culture there might be games in a library and so they have trouble in be the western um and vice versa maybe if a person from the west visited uh, a community library in a different culture they might find it to be very um rudimentary or basic and it's more book oriented so i asked that question once again let me repeat the question whether there's this hierarchy of um, authority that we sometimes find embedded uh among the different types of library whether public k-12 or academic yeah, yeah actually the, again it comes to the environment or the immediate culture you know where such libraries are situated in, um, in things are more liberal in the southern part of Nigeria mm-hmm. um, uh, than in the northern part uh, because the northern part again operates strictly on um, mm-hmm. uh, Islamic uh, religious rule 
and so certain things that just be overlooked in the southern part may not be overlooked, you know, in the northern part of the country. And, and even even in the southern part of the country, yeah, the, the rules are more stringent uh, when with the professionals, like you, you as a librarian, regardless of whatever library setting you are working, you know, remember that Nigeria is pro-British because we're colonized by the British. Right. So, so you just have to appear all the time in, you know, officially dressed. Yes. Your supervisor can ask you to go back home if you're not officially dressed. Mm-hmm. And officially dressed means for the guys who have to be on tie and suit. Actually, that affected me when I, when I relocated to the U.S. where I was working then, when it was agreed to work, I had my tie on and all that. And my supervisor had to call me one day and say, Chris, you know, you don't really have to come to work like this. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. And it's just a carryover of that culture of the way you have to appear. Like right. You have to appear formally. And, and, and that is most with the staff, the librarians, no, the library staff. Uh, but when it comes to, in terms of the public, you know, again, they are more liberal uh, people than people are tolerated, regardless of where, how they are appearing. But that may not be true for the northern part of the country. Then you'll be more stringent because of their religious code. That's correct. Um, and I've that's one of the feedbacks I get as I engage with um, people who have either an international background or have worked abroad. Um, we're very casual in the profession here. And although there are differences in practice, uh, in in the service provisions among you know school academic you know public libraries and I think some of that formality is definitely in law libraries federal libraries you know but as a whole um, the a sort of I guess professional attitude and professional mm, I don't I don't even want to say attire because that's a that's not the right word but for lack of a better term, just a professional presentation is very casual. Um, and sometimes even for academic libraries, um, the approach is very casual here. Uh, one example is at the McKeldin Library, there's a nap pod where a student or a faculty member, anyone who's a visitor or a member of the library can take a nap. And um, so that's something that would be absolutely I don't even, unfathomable in another culture. What do you mean you're taking a nap in a culture? So um, thanks for sharing those examples. And so my last question is, what advice would you have for those who are interested in international academic librarianship, specifically in Nigeria or sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, it is a very uh, stimulating um, uh, field to work in, in in Nigeria and Sub-Saharan Africa, there are lots to be done. Um, you know, um, they, they, there are a lot to be done, and uh, there's a whole lot of uh, experience to be taken from here down there. But more importantly, in the area of you know local content development, I cannot overemphasize that. You know, because that that helps the budget of the these institutions and also help to meet information needs. You know. Um, of the of the of the of the uh, stakeholders in the in such institutions, local content, you know, development. Like I said, institutional repository is a big one. Um, um, OER is another big one that is you know 
very long now. Uh, if, if they can help them to get a database um, where they can um, you know, store information, uh, which the institutional repository comes readily available on, uh, you know, help to harness all these resources that are produced but are not resident, you know, within these countries. That, that that's a major that, that's a major issue. It's not for the lack of professionalism. You have a lot of professionals there, mm-hmm. but they are publishing outside of the continent, right. outside is... of the continent. You know, so and, and by that they are losing a lot because they publish outside of the continent, and the, the local environment where the research was done to benefit, you know, from those research work. So helping them to, um, you know. Um, Helping them to build a, a system that will help to keep track of all this and make such things accessible, mm-hmm. you know, at the local level. And I think forming consortium will be another thing that will really help them. That way, they can spread the burden of the financial burden of uh, subscription, subscribing to most of these, uh, you know, uh, international top-notch um, um, what do you call it databases that ordinarily one institution cannot be able to afford. For instance, I can I can I can tell you to the to the to the uh, frankly that I'm not sure there are ten universities in Nigeria that that will be spending three hundred thousand dollars every year on one database. Right, right. Uh, you know that that would, that would be I'll be shocked if there's ten of them, if there are ten of them like that. Yeah. You know, but if they come together, they can share the body of that cost and make that product that that database available to uh, you know their various institutions. Yeah. You know, um, in demography and population studies, we have the concept of brain drain. And that's very much what's happening. Typically, that's referred to when you're talented, your best and brightest um, segment of the population leave the country. But it's also when your intellectual productivity leaves. Um, And so this is absolutely you're describing and it's counterintuitive because it's intended to raise the profile of the institution, but actually the knowledge is not, um, unless you have an an institutional repository, which is so important, then that knowledge is not captured and localized. Um, The other thing that um, is interesting is that AFLIA, the African Library um, Institutions and Associations, consortium is getting stronger and stronger and it was formed just for that very reason and AFLIA um, was was born because African libraries such as Nigeria um, and South Africa felt that they were often overlooked within IFLA. IFLA is very European and so AFLIA was forged really to strengthen and have some of this professional standardization and cost sharing. Uh, But then what's beautiful now is that AFLIA, as I have been speaking with my students about AFLIA and the Black Caucus of the American Library Association um, are now partners. So there'd be this Pan-African Black diasporic uh, empowerment and solidarity so I think there's a lot to look forward to in the future in terms of um, libraries in majority Black regions or with uh, a, a high concentration of Black librarians um, 
across the world, there's this empowerment and this um, collective action that I'm very interested in seeing how that materializes in the future. Um, and I'm hoping to attend the AFLIA conference um, on behalf of the Black Caucus. I believe it's going to be in 2021 again. But I want to thank you for your time and for all of your wonderful insight. I learned a lot. I always learned a lot, a lot you know, from all of our conversations. But there's stuff that I didn't um, know. And I'm always very delighted to have your time so thanks for once again for this interview, and I hope that we can um, do this again very soon. My pleasure.